and welcome to the JMS Podcast with your host, Jorge Martin Sanchez. That is me, y'all. Thank you for tuning in. How's it going, folks? How are you guys hanging in there? Uh, I'm recording this on a Sunday noon. I think I partied a little too hard last night. And if, you, if you're a long-time listener, you might have noticed that recently I've been uploading episodes towards the later half of the Sunday day. Usually, uh, for years, I would do my best to uh, publish a episode on, uh, on Saturday midnight. So by the time you woke up on Sunday morning, a fresh new episode right for you. But, you know, considering my, my current, work, current work schedule, where Saturday is my new Friday... And uh, so many other projects have been popping up. Uh, I, I think for as far as I know, this is going to be the new norm. The episodes will be broadcasted towards the later half of the Sunday day. So uh, you're just going to have to wait a little longer. That's it. That's it. But you can still enjoy the, the, the episode for the rest of the week. If this is your first time tuning in, thank you folks for, for tuning in. Welcome. Make yourself comfortable. Uh, uh, can I get you anything while you're here? Uh, I think I ran out of that, so I'm sorry. Come, dude, I'm sorry. I don't have it, all right? But but trust me, just relax. You're going to have a good time. We have a great guest, and we have a, a segment today, and uh, I'm very excited for it. And on top of everything else, uh, I, I'm just happy that we got a, a, a fresh new week to look forward to. Hopefully, if your week was tough last week, Hopefully this week, a lot of good things come in your life. And, um, yeah. So, pretty much, if you haven't subscribed already to the JMS Podcast, you can do so on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, CastBox, Android app, and most, you know, apps you get your podcast from, really. You can follow on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to check out the website at jmspodcast.com for all the available content. You can also email me at jmspodcast at gmail.com. It's that easy. And if you want to join the email list for the podcast, you can do so at the homepage of the website. You want to donate? No problem. I could always use extra cash to help around here. You can do so at Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash jmspodcast. If you can't find that way, just go to the Patreon website and search for the JMS Podcast. It's that simple. Uh, let's see. Before I head out to today's guest, I, I just want to ask you a quick question. Do you like stand-up comedy? I bet you do. You know what's better? Free stand-up comedy. Sure, some of the acts might be a little tougher, might be a little more raw than the polished professionals, but hey, overall it's a lot of fun when someone's trying to make you laugh, right? Well, tell you what, every Wednesday night in downtown San Jose at Cafe Frascati on 315 South 1st Street, I run a weekly comedy show. It's kind of an open mic, but trust me, we've got a lot of great acts, a lot of great uh, comedians that pass through such as clay newman last week he stopped by and this guy's a he's a rising star in the comedy world uh he came all the way from san francisco but he's been traveling all over the state in comedy festivals and he had a great set so if you feel like you're missing out and catching the latest rising star comedian it's never too late just stop on by to cafe for scotty uh comedy night every wednesday night starts at 8 p.m to 10 p.m and I'll be there, and a couple familiar comedians that have been on this podcast will be there. And just say hello. I'd love to meet you. I might be a little busy running the show, but if you're like, hey, I'm a podcast listener, I will always make time for you. All right, that's my spiel. Today's guest is the very, very talented musician Mark Oroyo from the Mark Oroyo Trio. I really like this guy. He, I like him even more, uh, and I'll tell you why. 
after the segment. Because today's segment, we have Exhibit This with Miranda Caravallo. She is the art critic here at the Gemma's Podcast. She went over to Macla, which is located in downtown San Jose as well. It is a great art venue, and they do much more than just art. They do a lot of community-engaging activities. And she went over there to check out an exhibit, Classic Tracks, Migrating Rhythms. And she piqued my interest, and you'll find out why real soon. And I'm definitely going to go check it out. I might even go check it out after I record this uh, intro. Um, because I got most of my days open. So here is exhibit this with Miranda Carvello, and after this segment, I'll, I'll tell you why Marco Royo ha- went high on my list as one of my favorite musicians in the local area here in the in the uh, Bay Area. All right, here's Miranda Carvello, and exhibit this. Welcome to another Exhibit This with Miranda Caravallo. Back from the dead. Back from the dead. And uh, how's the... We're, we're drinking Kahlua. So usually, my family, for long even as a kid, they would mix in Kahlua with, I, with ice and milk. That sounds good. So this is the first time I'm drinking it kind of straight. But this is... I, I usually take my coffee black. Yeah. So this is no difference from that. It's sweeter. Uh, it's weird for me. It's, it's like syrupy. Or maybe I'm just accustomed to just drinking it with milk and ice and water. Uh, but anyway, I hope you're enjoying your Kahlua. Uh, and uh, looks. And I hope you listeners enjoy how it affects my commentary on this exhibit. This might get very interesting. All right, so what did you go see lately? Okay, I saw. I went to. Um, so we're in an uh, interesting place right now. And um, that place is uh, a mixture of two things. And the first thing is that I'm an arts reviewer for artsearth.org. Check us out. Wait, hold on. What is that? Artsearth.org. Artsearth.org. Is that a blog? It's like a website that just shows events all around the Bay Area. Oh, cool. And they they hired me for some reason. Oh, wow. Um, So I've been seeing a lot of exhibits. and. Did you use this as a credit? As As like... I... I tried to use it as a um, reference. Reference? And yeah. Like, and they're like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, that sounds We like listen to the JMS podcast. You, pre- you, 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 you say that you've talked about art on a podcast. You got so the job. You got it. Get the job, kid. Um, so, like, long story short, I, like, ran out of the conventional exhibits. I settled on uh, checking out the exhibit in Makla. Uh, for those of you who don't know, MACLA in downtown San Jose uh, stands for Movimento de Arte y Cultura Latinoamericana. And I know I butchered that. I took French in high school, but I figured I'd give it a shot. Um, and they're a really fantastic organization that gives a lot of um, classes and uh, a lot of opportunities to uh, young people mm-hmm. who are looking for getting into arts or zines or media or film, or just lots of lots of different stuff. Mm-hmm. And a good friend of mine uh, worked there for a while, and she she loved it. She loved everything about it. It's a real cool space. It is a real cool space. Yeah. And it's it's, it's so it's in downtown, right? In, yeah. In the Sulphur District, so it's like walking distance from where I usually hang out. Yeah. 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 Um, so they have uh, an, oop, next to the main 
building, which is uh, where they do all the group activities and stuff, they have a very small gallery. Uh, and in that, uh, there's a very small exhibit, but it really caught my interest, uh, and that was uh, Carlos Roland's Classic Tracks Migrating Rhythms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had this to, uh, as a surprise for Jorge, because luckily he pulled up the website and still can't find anything about it. Um, the main thing you see when you walk into the room is a wall-to-wall mural of vinyl records. What? Yeah. No way. Yeah. That's awesome. And um, Are they playing vinyl as you're walking in, or is it just the display me, of vinyl? Let me, let me get to oh, it. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> and uh, as you as you turn to your left, there's a, uh, a tower made out of speakers that they can also play music on. Um, but in the back, they have a uh, an old-style uh, Puerto Rican push cart mm. that's been decked out with a disco ball and a record player. This is a club. And a stereo. This is a dancing club. It, well, it's only a little, a little corner. Yeah. But um, the basic gist is, uh, from what I gathered, it's it sort of... All of the records are the records of... Um, the ones that have been... The ones that made the history and the culture and the home for a lot of Hispanic immigrants coming into the United States. Interesting. Do you have any examples of, of any of these records? I do. I do, actually. I took photos of them. So uh-huh. I pulled them out before. Yeah, that's fascinating. Unfortunately, on so, the on so, the record player, yeah. the uh, only actual record um, is Prince. Mm, Prince. Oh wow! So was Prince a significant, you know, cultural music uh, figure in in the migrant experience in the United States? I, I imagine it was, and it was it was really. It was really cool. Because I'm assuming this has a bit of a Latin American bent, right? The the, the migrant experience. Yeah. Uh, the artist himself is is of Puerto Rican descent, so it kind of makes sense. He had the the uh, what do you say was the ice cream thing or? It was it was some sort of um, push cart. A push cart. Okay. For some reason, I went for ice cream. Like oh. a woven or some shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So so it's interesting because I don't think I, I know a lot of Latinos who who listen to Prince religiously. Maybe it's an East Coast Puerto Rican thing. I, I don't mean, know. it's it's kind of like um you know how uh, Morsi and the Smiths are really really right. popular in the Hispanic community. I know that for one. reasons that I don't understand. <laughs> nobody but, knows. But I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nobody knows. I think that might just be another thing about it. Yeah. yeah. Um. I was I was kind of bummed out that because they did have other records and they were really neat to look for uh, like there was um Ray Barretto's Giant Force and you see here there's a little man and he's he's all buffed uh, out right digging and, it and then there's a uh, Roberto Blades Viviendo uh huh was I took one oh I liked this one it's a Ditado un poco Monguito. <laughs> And you see here, there's a giant head and a little oh, man is walking out of him. poco manguito. Okay. I should have just had you read these. I don't <laughs> speak. No, it's cute. It's cute. Listen to you pronouncing these. Cool to try. Cool to try. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with that got me thinking. Uh-huh. Because you and I have a big thing in common. I think it might have been one of the first things we found out we had in common. We have a very deep love for vinyl records. Yes. Yeah, and I was thinking of... um. Because... The, the, the basis, the, the, there's a really interesting essay on, on this sort of handout that they give you uh, by Esteban Cesar Azcona, uh, and he talks about the importance of music and dance and uh, dance and 
<laughs> music, dance, and dance. Yeah. And, uh, like, clothing. Yeah. To keeping it in touch with your culture as you move into a completely new state. Fuck yeah, yeah. And I, um, that made me curious. I was just at a dinner, lunch, with my tiny Asian grandmother. Mm-hmm. And I asked her a few questions to see, like, what records she considered part of her home and her culture. And the answer surprised me. Um, my grandma is a first-generation immigrant. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually spent some time as a baby in an internment camp. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, as she got out, she worked on a farm with her sisters and her brothers, and they uh, picked fruit for the parents. Mm-hmm. And I asked, um, I asked, would you, would you listen to on the record player? And she was like, we were too poor to have a record player. Yeah. I was like, okay, would you listen to on the radio? And um, she said they listened to what her mother listened to, which was country western music. Wow. And these were Japanese immigrants. Yeah. Listen to country western. Country western music. Yeah. And then I kept pressing her for questions, trying to see, like, what what connections did you keep to your old culture? Yeah. And she kind of revealed to me that they, they, they pretty much cut ties from where they used to be and who they used to be. So do you think her experience was the opposite of what this uh, exhibit kind of, uh, you know, saying as far as immigrants uh, bringing in their music with them? Yeah. Because it seems like your your grandmother went through a different experience where they cut ties. They didn't bring any music with them. Yeah, it really showed. It gave me a new perspective on the exhibit. But in the way in the way what my grandma did, she created her own culture. Like, later on when she met her husband, um, he got her into jazz. And that love for jazz followed her till right about now. Mm-hmm. And um, a few years ago when I got my first record player... Uh, after my grandfather had passed, um, my grandma gave me all of his old jazz records. Now, going back to the exhibit, now you said the is the whole wall surrounded by vinyl? Is that is that the entire exhibit? Uh, two walls. Are, it's an interesting juxtaposition, actually, because there are two main walls covered ceiling to floor in vinyl covers. Okay. And so you can stand before these and see you're physically... As opposed to ha- listening to all of this and being immersed that way, you are immersed in these albums that could have meant so much to all of these people, to countless, countless people. Like, maybe one of them's the album they lost their virginity to. Maybe mm. maybe they were listening to the other one during the worst night of their lives, and it gave them comfort. And then, if you turn around, the other two walls are a beautiful mural of flowers. Hmm. And it almost represents a divide between where we came from and where we went. Were they playing any music when you walked in? You know, that kind of makes sense, wouldn't it? Well, uh, they weren't. And that, that gave me an interesting experience because I walked into this room and it looked pretty, but there was also a, um, there was a detachment. There was a detachment there because I walked in and I thought, like, maybe this isn't for me. Um, I don't feel super comfortable all the time writing about things that are kind of political or... Oh, do you feel it's politically... uh, Not like necessarily... There's an agenda behind this exhibit? Not necessarily political, but it didn't feel like it was right for me to be writing about it. Why? I don't know. I can't explain Mm. it. I have no idea. Hmm. Uh, Did you feel like the, the... 
Well, no, because we talk about your grandmother, so it wasn't like the experiences were foreign to you, the, the, the ones that were displayed. Yeah, that is a good point. But anyway, I walked in and I just felt kind of detached. Like, I saw these things and they didn't really connect to me. Uh, but mm-hmm. then when I walked back and I saw the pushcart with the um, record player. Yeah. And I looked at the first record and it was Prince, Purple Rain. Yeah. And I was immediately like, that pulled me in. That is an important record to me. Mm. So I, I was ecstatic. I was like, oh my god, what am I going to listen to? What am I going to listen to? Because I haven't listened to records in a long time. And you forget that excitement of picking one up and turning it over and being like, what am I going to do first? Right. And I, I picked up the needle and I put it on the um, track, the little space, right in between um, When Doves Cry and uh, I Would Die For You. Mm-hmm. And the space filled with music. And suddenly, it made sense. So in some ways, you felt this uh, exhibit was much better with the music playing. Well, it, it, it created... It, it gave me that connection. All right. Yeah. Closing statements? Um, check it out. Uh, and really, just check out Makla uh, in general, because they're a fantastic organization, and uh, I'm sure they could use more support. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have any young kids... This would be a great place to send them to let their artistic skills and imaginations just, like, grow and thrive. Uh, Jorge is a handsome boy. Oh, thank you. And if you see him on the street, you should give him $5. Or or just a vinyl record. I'll take (laughs) that, too. So it looks like this is a solo exhibition that's happening uh, from September 5th to November 11th. So there's plenty of time to go check it out. We're, like, in the middle of it. Uh, And... uh, Ah, it looks pretty interesting. I'm, I'm going to check it out for sure because I would like to see how you know what other records they got up there. And you know what? It's free, and it's one room. Yeah. It's just go. It's not, there's nothing there. It's fine. Well, do you know if the artist was there? Um, he he wasn't when I was there, but okay. they have um, ex- they they have little events that they're doing there. Uh, if you look up on the website, they're doing a salsa dancing uh, at some point. I don't know when. <laughs> dig it. I, dig I know, it. right? I dig it. I'm trying to see if I can pronounce his name right. Is it Carlos Ro- Royon or Rolon? The reason I'm saying that is because there's only one L to his name. But it looks like he has a, he has a, a nickname. Zine. Dezine. God, we're butchering these names, aren't we? Yeah, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done a segment in like six months. <laughs> and we're starting off with me not knowing how to read. Uh, he, is, he also does sculptures. Was there any sculptures in this one? Or was it just there the was, push there cart? Was, there was the speaker sculpture. Oh, it was an actual sculpture. It was an actual speaker. No, it was, it was an actual speaker is formed into a sculpture. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was really neat. Like, like how so? Like, is it like... Uh, just a sculpture and you put a speaker inside it no it's like a ton of like multiple you know um two and a half foot tall speakers arranged into a tower wow okay this sounds awesome yeah there's vinyls on the walls a sculpture with speakers in it and a humeral full of colorful flowers were they colorful flowers yes and you can listen to prince and you can listen to prince it's a free free exhibit uh, I'm digging it. Man. Yeah. Sounds cool. I love Makla. I, I 
adore what they're doing. They're creating such a unique and a vibrant alternative arts culture for youth, which is exactly what I'm 110% for. Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to go check it out for sure. Miranda Carwell, thank you for coming. Thank you, boy. Once again, the exhibit's called Classic Tracks, Migrating Rhythms, now available at the Makla Art Gallery in downtown San Jose on 1st Street. Go ahead and type in makla.org for more information on their website. The exhibit has been happening since um, September 5th, and it ends on November 11th. That's just around the corner. Don't sleep on this one. Go check it out. I'm going there tonight. Today. Today. I am heading over there and checking out myself. I want to see that wall of vinyl records. And if there's any rare records, I'm going to have to steal one. All right? Oh, shit. Did, did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, just go check out the art gallery. It's, I'm sure it's amazing. All right. Let's head on over to a uh, to the main guest. To the main guest is Mark Arroyo. Once again, he is the uh, lead guitarist for the Mark Arroyo Trio. It is an instrumental band here in the uh, Bay Area. And they play a lot of jazz, a lot of rock, a lot of uh, a variety of genres. And um, and I think you should check out their music, which is available to either uh, buy online or buy a CD uh, at iTunes, CD Baby, and Amazon Music. And Mark Arroyo is a very soft-spoken gentleman. He's very hip. And I had a good talk with him regarding his music and okay he, he, here's what 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 from the get-go you'll notice it's gonna stick out and that is that he's actually from my hometown you know I mean I've been living in San Jose for a while with the family uh, but we actually came from Mopitas like oh wow Jorge that's just like come on that's like right there but you'll be surprised a lot of people forget about Mopitas and I, I, it's not. I was. I was never ashamed of being Mopitas. If somebody asked me earnestly where uh, you know my hometown, I would say, "Oh, I'm from Mopitas. That's where I grew up." If it's somebody who's just you know small talk, I was like, "Oh, from San Jose, whatever. What the fuck? Who cares?" And uh, Mopitas is a small town, and I never really met anybody outside of. Like, how can I put this? As much as I talk to talented and creative people. Here on this podcast, I've yet to talk to somebody from Opitas in my hometown. So when I had Marco Roy here, and he and he he shares that, it, it kind of brought me back to my memories of being an awkward teenager, kind of roaming the streets of Opitas, and and I, I guess there's a lot of culture and art and music that just went by my radar. I I never I never noticed it. You know, because, you know, I had other priorities at the time, mostly girls. But the point I'm trying to make is talking to Marco Royal really set me back and made me reflect of my my upbringing. And 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 he's right. There was a lot of talented people coming out of Mopitas. Now that I think about it, um, uh, a lot of a lot of musicians, a lot of musicians. There was I think that's a, something that was pretty common uh, seeing at Mopitas High. Cause we didn't have hallways. We it was everything was was in the open space, and so somebody at one point, no, no matter what day of the week at school, somebody would have a guitar on them. 
And I was like, oh man, how, how did not, I did not see the signs. So that's why it was a great pleasure having a Marco Royo here. And it was a great pleasure just listening to his life story and, and kind of his influences and all that stuff. And I, I think without much further ado, let's just head on and, uh, and let's go talk with Mark. So here is my conversation with Marco Royo. Oh, wait, before I do that, I got a surprise for you guys. He has an album of it out, which uh, I already mentioned where you could find it. Uh, it is called Two Sides to a Promise. And uh, and a great album you should check out. But I'm going to play the the opening song for that album right now. And uh, our conversation is going to start right after the song. And this song is called, just like the title, Two Sides to a Promise. I really dig it. I hope you like it. And if you like it, you know where to find it. CD Baby, iTunes, and Amazon Music. And, uh, yeah. So here is Two Sides to a Promise by the Mark Arroyo Trio.
Is that how you pronounce it right? Yeah. Royal. Thank you so much for coming, man. Right on, man. Thanks for having me. Um, actually, I am a little surprised you said that you're driving from Mopitas. I don't meet a lot of people from Mopitas. Because I, I grew up in Mopitas. M-Town all day, son. Technically, it's my hometown. Yeah. And the weird about it, ever since I'm, I moved out of Mopitas, you know, here in San Jose, uh-huh. I don't go there often, considering how close it is. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's one exit. One exit away. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much it is, right? It's yeah, one yeah, exit. Yeah, yeah. It's one exit. You uh, jump on 237, you just get... Well, it's two exits, depending on how you turn. But What part of Mopitas are you... Are you but I'm right by the high school, man, Sunny Hills. Oh, wow. You Yeah, that's where most of my family's at, too. By by Weller? Yeah, right by, by Weller. Weller right I went the there. I went there for from kindergarten to man, we third. Were, we were neighbors. You didn't even know it. No kidding. Yeah. It's crazy. You went to Weller as well? No, I didn't go to... I I, I didn't move to Milpitas until um, seventh grade. So I went to Russell. Russell. Yeah. 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 yeah dig um, it. We moved we, to Milpitas. Were we the Badgers? No, I don't remember. Where were we? Uh, was it, what was our mascot? Russell. Wolverines? What was the Wolverines? Wolverines. Yeah, I said Badger. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 yes. Yeah, uh, us and Rancho, man. M-Town, man. M-Town all day. There's a lot of musicians. Um that have come out of, of Milpitas. Uh, I just texted one of my former students. She um, took guitar lessons with me, but she, and she was mainly a, a drummer and saxophone player. Yeah. And I, I opened up an LP um, a week or two ago that, that I hadn't listened to yet um, from, from this guy in L.A. 
mm-hmm. and so I'm reading the the credits and her name was right there and I texted her it's like hey you're on, you're on this record she's like yep it's like it's amazing you know yeah and then uh there's there's guys uh who are playing downtown regularly in, in a group called the Alliance um and those are some Milpitas cats mm. you know and uh Milpitas had a really vibrant music scene um uh, in really the, in the mid 90s where like on main street so so the city had um a youth center and they, they were really into um promoting music and doing shows was this by the sports complex so yeah by the sports complex yeah. but before that there would be shows at uh the old senior center which is now part of the library when they rebuilt the library mm-hmm. so you know um there was one of the waves of ska that got really big and, and, and indie rock and um, Milpitas was just a hub for shows for a while. So this is probably 95, 96, 97, mm-hmm. 98. I mean, I was still in high school. And I remember doing sound for these guys so uh, occasionally. So yeah, when, when I was a kid growing up in Milpitas, there was a lot of support. And then there was the Milpitas Alliance for the Arts. Um, Is this still happening now? What changed? I, I don't think so. I think one of the, the key people um, who was behind the Alliance for the Arts had passed away. Mm. Uh, and, and I don't think anybody's picked up that, that torch. But, you know, a lot of people don't think of, of Milpitas as being a creative kind of hub in the South Bay. A lot of people just will, will either know uh, that the Great Mall is there. Yeah. Well, they'll know that Dave and Buster. Which is ironically there. is just like a, the border, really. Yeah, it's the border. It's it's yeah. what the the southern border. Yeah. And then you know, uh, I'm on the north side. I'm on the Dixon side, so that's the north border. Which is the north border, of yeah. yeah. Which is just like you know, <laughs> Milpitas is one exit. You know, <laughs> which much. is two exits technically. Yeah. Well, yeah, the borders. But but, but this is kind of news to me in some ways. Like I think okay, well, I do believe you. There was definitely a lot of talent because one of the things I used to do in high school was I used to run the lighting board. I used to help help out with the production side of stuff okay. for like the talent show. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, like there's amazing acts, like musical acts coming out of that. Well, uh, let let me bring it back even more. Um, I moved to to Milpitas in the early '90s, and one of my my best friends in junior high at Russell, he told me about a music school um, where I could take lessons for for playing guitar. I wanted to get a guitar for about six months mm-hmm. and I, I finally got one and I remember bringing the guitar home strumming it and not knowing what to do with it thinking I made a just a just a huge mistake was it like, acoustic no it was an electric <laughs> and I had no idea what I was doing I didn't know how to tune it Stratocaster Fender what it, was, about? it was a black Squire 2 Stratocaster uh, that's a good starting it's 179 99 from Guitar Center yeah and I still have it I've souped it up over the years and it sounds great yeah, plays yeah. great um, I used it on a recording um, that I was on another Milpitas cat is a guy who went by the name DJ Green Tea uh-huh. and he did um, an album on a label called Plug Label and I, I played some guitar on that and it's just like a it's like a house down tempo kind of um album mm-hmm. and I, I played some Nile Rogers style uh guitar parts on it and you know I used my my very first guitar on that and I was really really stoked to 
to do um, some guitar for him because you know we'll beat his cats we stick together <laughs> so well, well, but, but that was your first guitar ever uh-huh and you took it home not knowing what to do with it yeah and and, and considering it was electric those are kind of a little hard to strum and it, if, you know, not, if, you being, know, if you don't know what you're doing it's a little harder than, than let's say an acoustic I, I shouldn't be able to play guitar there was, I had nothing going for me um, you, no you didn't have a musical family I, not not in the sense of you know having parents who really um, were players or were uh, kind of supportive in the way that they would kind of push me towards it you know mm-hmm. I'd been mean, growing up in a Filipino household, music was just a part of, of what was going on, you know. And it wasn't until I was a lot older that I realized that a lot of this stuff just comes from my mom and my mom's side. The, the first pictures of me holding um, guitars, I'm, I'm like maybe three years old. Uh, and my it was my aunt who um, helped uh, helped me help my mom out when I was was growing up. You know, uh, she she played. And they sang, and that whole side of the family was just very uh, involved with with music. And so, I mean, just a couple of years ago, my mom grabbed one of my guitars and she could play. And I just I had no idea. And mm. I had been playing for a long time at this point. You know, I'd probably been playing guitar for like twenty years. Yeah. And then she just picked it up. And she was strumming. I was like, wait, where did you figure that stuff out? And she's like, yeah, when, when we were young, we just played. And I had no idea. So, you know, it was just. Do you think it was like a, it. a repressed memory, maybe? I, just just you know, being I, embarrassed that your mom could play guitar better no, than you? No, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it was a repressed memory. I don't even. I I have no idea where, where it came from. Like, I yeah. just amazed me and it kind of just showed me like oh well okay so this kind of comes from my mom's side that makes sense was she good enough to put it in the next album uh, well we'll see <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see about that but yeah uh, I guess that's a very musical side um, you know that my, my mom's side is very musical side my yeah. dad my dad told me I think that there was like a tuba player somewhere so it definitely wasn't coming from from him and then you know back to what you were you were saying milpitas what what milpitas when when i was growing up you know that side by lion um supermarket on the dixon side that wasn't even finished yet so when you would get off the freeway on that side that side of town was dark Mm. you know um milpitas only had 40 cable channels at the time so there was not much to do yeah but i had this guitar had my skateboard that was really it skateboards and guitars when i was a kid so this music school that my friend had told me about is the south bay school of music arts it's right there on abel next to uh st john's and across from big lots mm-hmm. and that's that's where i ended up taking lessons and then i started teaching there and that that was just home you know i i uh, played in a lot of bands there played in some jazz groups there played in a big band there played in a bunch of cover bands um, that were all based out of this school and it's a really formative place and, and a lot of um, the guys who I, I was talking about were from Milpitas a lot of these people ended up at that school taking lessons at that school um, not not for as long a- as I did you know I, I essentially was there from 1992 until um, the end of August Mm-hmm. You know, and spent 
you know, decades of my life in that building, um, teaching, playing, performing. And so, you know, when, when people think of Milpitas as just this place where there's like a lot of food and the, all the freeways cut through it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, on the outside. Or, or the landfill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Milpitas stinks. Milpitas smells. <laughs> so, you know, those are, those are the things that people, you know, know about. But when you, you do some digging... Um, you know, I, I've heard that Chet Baker lived in Milpitas. Get out. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. So Ch- the, the, the jazz trumpeteer. Yeah. Chet Baker. And that's what I've heard. You know, Where's that rumor coming from, Mark? Uh, you just people like old, old school cats have, have told me, you know, and it's like, well, I guess. Why not? <laughs> you know, Milpitas is a quiet place if there's no great mall. You know, how you know the, there's nothing happening, right? So. Uh, yeah. I'm having a surreal moment right now, Mark. What uh, is that? Because it's throwing me off guard. <laughs> Because seriously, you're the only other guest I had on here who is from Opitas and all these places you're naming. Yeah. That's like my childhood in some ways. Yeah. And like I'm like, Hol- holy shit, dude. Like, <laughs> like I know exactly what you're talking about. The big lots there in that area and St. John Church yeah. next to your You can see it. You can visualize it. Right on Abel Street. Like, yeah, you I'm know. Like, the school's like, above the Kumon. So it, it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the fa- so the fact that you grew up on the... Um, on the Dixon area, like I have a, I have an idea that kind of in the environment you kind of grew up. It was, it was a pretty low key place, a little suburbia. It's just homes, you know. Yeah, it's quiet, little sleepy town. You know, Sunny Hills Park. You know, that's when when you were a kid. I used to walk. I used to walk through there. Like, yeah. Every morning, because my grandma lived in that area. There you go. And we used to get dropped off at her house, and then from there we would walk to to Russell. Or to yeah. high school, to the high because high school's nearby there too. Yeah, it's just down the street. And and uh, just just. I mean, that's me. That's what I you know. I'm how, sure. how did I, our paths not cross before? This is so weird to me. I mean, we're here now, man. <laughs> what what I tell a lot a, a lot of my students, um, especially the ones who who want to do what I do or accomplish things that like I have, it's just like you know I tell them like, hey. I'm just like you. The only difference is time. You know, I was just a little Filipino kid in Milpitas with a skateboard and a guitar. Mm. And I took guitar lessons. I took guitar lessons here, just like you. You know, the studio that I taught in was right next door to the studio that I took lessons in. So I, I, I'll tell them, you know, right through this wall. I sat in there. I took my lessons, you know, uh, and I played. Mm. I just never stopped playing. And that, that was really, that's really just the key to it. That for is me, it's truly just like, if you don't quit, yeah. you'll get good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been playing for 26 years. It'd be a shame if I wasn't good at what I do after 26 years. Man, you know? that, that's that's golden truth right there. You know, it, it, when I'm, because I do stand-up as well. Okay. And, and when I got young comedians asking me, you know, about it, it's like, well, doing comedy is easy. Starting comedy, at least. It's easy. It's easy yeah. starting music. It's easy doing anything hardest part is continuing to do it mm-hmm. you know there comes a point where you're like why am I still doing this like why what like yeah. what was it what does this bring to the table because I realize like well it does bring something either spiritually or either you know just for me it's just a part of me but you know I'm not I'm not gonna say that I um, played guitar non-stop in that time you know uh, growing up in in Milpitas at the time that I did I, I did catch that, that big swing towards the internet and technology. And so, you know, before I wanted to play guitar, actually, this is, this is kind of an interesting thing. I wanted to be a DJ. 
Mm. When when we first moved um, to to San Jose, uh, there was a neighbor there that had a turntable set up, and I came over one day, and you know this was just DJ coffin with two turntables, a big mixer, and just these big booming speakers, and he put his hand on the record. And I was like, wow, whatever this is, this is the next level. I want to do this. And and I had seen record stores before. I, I grew up in Germany. And I remember seeing that there was Wait, a... Uh, sorry. Did you move here from Germany? Yeah. I moved, At seven? I moved to um, San Jose in 1990, so I was 11. And I, so from, from so, birth till 11, I was in Germany. Wow. And yeah. then you moved to Milpitas. And, and then we moved to Milpitas... Um, shortly after so early what is that early 91 okay early 91 what was yeah. happening in germany my dad was in the army and so um he got stationed in germany do you have uh, memories of, of that of yeah up in yeah germany? yeah lots of memories i mean I, I was 11 when we left so so i um you know i i was able to to bring uh, a lot of this just the the kind of, not the culture but just the, the memories and just the it w- it was a big culture shock you yeah. know moving <laughs> from from yeah. moving to San Jose from Germany how is, did you process that change it took a while mm. it really took a while I mean people were were different mm. I I didn't really know any Mexican people any Vietnamese people um, until I moved to San Jose it's very different for most people growing up in the Bay you know um, I was 11 years old. And it it was just it was a different um, way of life, you know. I mean, I I grew up in Germany, but I I didn't live on an army base. Went to school on an army base, so I I, I had lots of, of friends who came from lots of different backgrounds because of their parents, and you know, they'd be with you for a while, or they'd be with you for a little bit, just depending on um, what their parents' orders were. You know, if they had to get up and move, they just get up and move, and then they're moving to a, to another base. Um, what part of Germany were you stationed? Was I, was in, station? I was in Frankfurt. Frankfurt, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we lived in Frankfurt, and one of my best friends from, from that time, he and I are, are still in, in touch today, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, for me it's really normal, but for everybody else it's like, oh, that's very different. Mm. And so growing up... Uh, Going to school on an army base, um, but living in the city was really neat. You know, like uh, I, I've got these memories of just roaming around the city, taking um, taking the trains, taking the streetcars, and going to buy comic books. Yeah, going to buy toys and stuff like that, and just yeah. roaming, roaming Frankfurt streets by myself. Okay. At like 9, 10, 11 years old. By yourself. Yeah. Wow. Which is something that's totally unheard of in America now. Like, right. Man, you, you, you should see the traffic um, in front of Milpitas High. Oh, it's daily. crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Kids are just not allowed yeah. to walk. Yeah. You know, everybody gets dropped off and it, it's just so different, you know. And But being in Germany at the young age, roaming around the streets, that, that was the first time you kind of experiencing a record store? Yeah, so there was a, a record store that that I would see um, getting off the, off the train at times. I, I don't remember exactly where it was, but I I remember seeing it and seeing like, records on the wall. I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. 
and um, you know that's something that kind of stuck with me and then seeing my, my neighbor's DJ setup right. when I was in sixth grade I was like wow I want to do that and so that kind of just always stuck with me and so sixth grade I had that idea get into seventh grade and Nirvana blows up mm-hmm. and I want to do that the grunge you know, wave, yeah. The the things that really got me um, started on wanting to play guitar was uh, Nirvana, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, <laughs> and yeah. La Bamba. I saw that movie La Bamba in Germany, and just love it to this day. If it if was it comes it on, was it dubbed? Or oh no, no, we watched it on the bass. Yeah. So so okay. you know it, it was it, it was the the original version. But anytime that's on, it, I'm watching it. And it's a good I, movie. Yeah. How that them it's just influential in a way. Like he, he just made it look look interesting, cool. It's like, all right, yeah, that that seems pretty neat. And then uh eventually I ended up with a guitar. And you know I essentially haven't put it down since, but mm-hmm. in between when, when I got out of high school, um I bought some turntables. Because you know. you're ready to DJ. Well, you know, you something I wanted that, yeah, um, do, something yeah. I wanted to do and I, I didn't know exactly what I could what I wanted from playing guitar. I knew I could do it. I'd played in a bunch of bands by by, by this time. What kind of bands were you, were you like? B- a bunch out? of cover bands and jazz groups and, and I had um a couple original bands, you know, doing doing my own music uh for a while, but the the thing that really caught me, um towards the end of high school is uh, this music that has been called jungle or drum and bass D&B uh, I just really liked this sound it was this music that was coming out of out of uh, the UK at the time hmm. and jungle you said yeah it was, it was like tribal like, or something or? It, it's got a lot of um, elements of uh, sped up drum samples like breakbeat samples. So oh, like so these were drum so, machines. So yeah, drum machine samplers. It's just electronic music coming out of okay out of England, and I just love this stuff. And so, um, and even to this day, I still have all of all of my my uh, drum and bass records. Mm-hmm. Um, I sold my turntables to a good friend who needed them more than I did. But mm. you know, I, I wanted to be a DJ, and so started DJing. Um, got some gigs. I went by the name Simplex, S-Y-M-P-L-E-X, Mark Simplex. Dig it, DJ and, Simplex. And, you know, put out mixtapes. I, I ended up working at a record store called Solid Grooves, which was uh, the big um, electronic music um, and, like, rave ticket record store. Is that local here? It was uh, It was on Bascom in San Jose, uh-huh. uh, actually right next to the Pink Poodle, which it, it's now a... It, uh, is it Streetlight Records now? No, no, no. Oh. Uh, it, it's... it's um, that location ended up being like a pawn shop and then we moved to the Alameda 2271 the Alameda um, which now I think is smoke this or wrap this one of it's one of those two mm-hmm. over right there by Santa Clara University but made a lot of friends there um, sir you were like part of the whole music scene that's happening then you kinda, know kind of underground DJ the, part of that scene. but then like uh, some of the early indie stuff in San Jose I was really um, I was really into that stuff because from playing guitar and, and the ska stuff and a bunch of my friends were were in bands 
doing that stuff. I, and this I, was supposed to be the golden years where the the effects club was happening, or the the cactus club, and yeah. So with with the DJing stuff, I was a, a resident DJ at Cactus Club. So it was called the Practice Club. Yeah. Johnny Manic. I'm not sure you know Johnny Manic, but from Johnny Manic and the Depressives. Uh-huh. I had yeah. him here as a guest. Okay. He's like, oh, yeah, because he used to work there. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, they called it the practice club. Like, That's pretty funny. You know, we, we had a night, I think it was Monday nights, and, and the night was called Killa Subs, and it was a drum and bass um, event in the first room, in the small room, and then in, in the second room, it was, um, it was a hard energy trance club. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I think it was Monday nights, and I think it was like an 18, 18 and up yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was rare. Before my time, but yeah. I hear all about it to this day. Yeah, so it was 18 and up, and you know, we, were, we were in there. And I was a resident DJ in a lot of places in downtown San Jose. Um, Cactus Club was one. Club Echo, which is now San Pedro Square Market. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I remember you know, getting out at night and that that part of town was just really dark yeah just kind of scary looking yeah and now it's you know san pedro square people who go downtown san jose they know all about it but back then it was just club echo was uh i think we were doing house techno and drum and bass or maybe it was trance techno and drum and bass i'm not sure but we had three three different rooms on a weeknight yeah, same thing with with Cactus Club. We had two rooms on a weeknight, but you know I was out there DJing, working in the record store, playing guitar, but not necessarily working on anything new. I mean, I was playing, I was playing in a big band. I was playing in a jazz group. Um, I think I was playing in an, in an R and B band. You, it seems like you really kept your musical palette pretty diverse. You yeah, know, because so, some people kind of gravitate towards one certain you know genre. It, it's but, interesting. But it seems like you were you were kind of all over the field, which is which is great. Because listen to your music, I could definitely hear the mixture of genres. All right, yeah, then no, that's so great. I, not listening to 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 what you kind of you know been up to, it's a, I, I totally get where it's coming from now. I I um I always like music. I I don't know that I liked it um, consciously. You know, I just, it just, music has just been my thing. You know, it's just really a part of um, just my daily life. You know, waking up, going to sleep, it's just, there's just music and all sorts of music. I mean, there's things that I, I, I don't like, but, you know, I mean, I was a drum and bass DJ. I was also a hip hop DJ. I was heavy into scratching, you know, mm-hmm. so, I mean, I, I, I knew... I knew a bunch of, of, of people from a lot of different scenes, but I, I don't know if, if people under un, really understood that I, I kind of like floated in and out of all sorts of, of different groups because there's a lot of people who who know me just from my my DJing life, you know, but there's a lot of people who only know me from um, my, my jazz stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like the Headley Club jazz jams and just playing bars and, and restaurants and, and jazz venues in the area there's people who knew me from you know um, rock bands yeah. and uh, it, how'd, you, how'd you navigate through all these different phases like I wouldn't even say that it's a it's phases in navigating for me it's just always very normal mm-hmm. you know like um, <clears throat> I'll put on some classic Kenny Burrell followed up by some J-Rock 
you know, just the, mm-hmm. the latest from, from Top Dog and, and Kendrick Lamar and, and all those guys from L.A. I, I had no problem listening to AC Alone and Project Blowed and then some Miles Davis and then um, some Goldie on Metalheads from the U.K. You know, the, the best way to kind of visualize this in a way, even though we're talking about music here, is growing up in Milpitas, we, we had a skate park behind Mervyn's um, and this is this didn't last long and I don't think it even lasted a year mm-hmm. but that park do you know you know what I'm talking about that park behind Mervyn's no I'm trying trying to picture so there's there's a park back there um, and well, where was Mervyn's field. at Mervyn's is the um, oh man I guess I'm just showing my age here because if you don't even remember Mervyn's and I'm really old uh, next to IHOP you know where the IHOP is by Embassy um, Suites yeah so there's a park back there Oh wait, yeah, yeah. Um, Hold on, yeah, Gill Park. Yeah. I think it's called Gill Park. Okay. So there's a park there. Um, in 1996, there was a skate park there. Hmm. And the best way to visualize me is, uh, I'm this kid with, the, with the, the skateboard, with a Walkman, and one side of the cassette is the best of John Coltrane, and the other side of the cassette is Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> and that's really like, you know, it's. it's, it's I dig it, man. Yeah. It's not even navigating it. It's like, yeah, cool. All right. Well, for this 30 minutes on this dub cassette, I'm digging Coltrane. And then on the next 30 minutes, it's the RZA, the Jizza, Old Dirty Bastard, Method Man, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and it's the whole Wu-Tang. And so that's just, it's just normal. You know, when, um, when I play with the trio, you can, you can hear elements of like a dub dub reggae um you can hear the the hip-hop influence in the drums obviously you can hear a lot of of um different kind of guitar things mm-hmm. uh, I, I remember when uh i had put out two sides to a promise uh the marketing and r- radio promo guys they, they really liked this one description that they found of me Online, or it was saying as um, Grant Green, John Frusciante from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Pat Martino, uh, all in a blender. And, you know, that's really just... John Frusciante and the Red Hot Chili Peppers was a huge influence on me um, when I was growing up, because that record, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, was was still fairly new when I had started playing guitar. And I would... <laughs> yeah, check this out, man. This is how I would practice. I would... Uh, get out of school from from uh, Milpitas High, get back home, plug straight into the amp, put that CD on, play along with the whole thing. It's like a 70 plus minute CD. And that's my warm up. Every day. Every day. You know, and um, it's just, it, it's, it's easy for me to, to use, you said navigate, you know, to, to go from from hip hop to electronic music to jazz to rock, um, it, it was just normal, you know. And and maybe some of that get, gets uh, expanded upon working in a record store. You mm-hmm. know, when you're working in a record store, you know you get to see the ins and outs of the record store. Like you don't have to navigate it by yourself, walking around digging through the bins. You know, like you, you get this is back in the back in the late '90s. You would get a fax. Um, coming from your distributors and they would list everything that's that's available and all of the new stuff 
and so you can you can read through it you know and and this store had a bunch of di different distributors that they would use um some in the, the midwest and the east coast mainly for electronic music but then some in south san francisco for hip-hop and and so i i would kind of just get used to seeing names and record labels and and descriptions and and you know um you kind of just acquire this knowledge you know and and so I, I i look at record stores even today still just like museums you know you just dig 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 and dig and you look at names you look at at bands you, you look and see who's playing with who especially with jazz stuff it's like oh i don't know this but i'll flip it over and i'll see this player that i like i was like oh i'm gonna pick this up yeah you know and and things end up being great and as a guitar player i'm always looking at it's like hey who played on this what guitar player played on this um and w one of the great things about being so uh, uh of having such broad tastes in music is kind of uh it 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 it's not um much of a challenge to like find new stuff you know and 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 then turn other people on onto new stuff mm. you know um but you know when you really break it down you you look at where we come from you look at Milpitas and look at how much of uh you know I, the 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 melting pot phrase was huge when i was a, a kid growing up in germany like there was this was a, a, a big a big push um must have been from the government because i mean i was going to school on an army base but i always heard that phrase melting pot mm -hmm. and i always looked at milpitas um when i was growing up as, as a really diverse cultural spot not not as much now on the outside as you see it but but really um really diverse and in, in, in the early uh, to late 90s when I was growing up. So it was one of those things where, you know, that cultural environment really kind of informs a lot of stuff that I was doing with art because even just growing up riding my skateboard, you know, I mean, I, I was friends with guys who like to break dance. I, I was friends with uh, the, the graffiti guys. Mm -hmm. I was friends with like uh, the guys who weren't the metal was friends with with guys who were into hip-hop and 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 rapping and and so you know some of these guys i grew up skateboarding with um some ended up working in the skateboard industry um doing video work uh some of these guys uh put out albums you know as rappers mm -hmm. um and uh, uh, some some people gave it up some people went pro you know um so there's just lots of different, lots of different things to get into, which you you kind of don't realize. You know, I think one of the things that that's interesting about Milpitas is it can be kind of an uh, isolated place because you don't need you don't need much out of it mm -hmm. if, if you are paying attention. You know, because you can you can get out of Milpitas, get on the freeway, get up to Oakland, get up to the city, you know, get into San Jose. And then, you know, make the drive back. It's it's not hard because the freeway's right there. Mm -hmm. You know, you can get into lots of different types of cuisine, meet lots of different types of people. Because all of there's like probably no food that you can't get in Milpitas. Got any favorite spots? Uh, 
I don't know about favorite spots because there's just so many. You know, I mean, yeah. pho mai has been a staple for for later nights when when you need a bowl of pho. But then where's that at? Pho mai is right there on uh, it's on the border. It's on the Landis border, kind of uh, okay, yeah, yeah, across from Seafood City. Uh huh. Seafood City used to um, that shopping center used to be a Home Depot, and it just became this kind of quasi Asian and Filipino shopping center. Now they used to have this great place called coffee adventure where you meet a lot of the homies and mm-hmm. get a filipino breakfast and have some coffee but um now uh, that place has gone out of business i haven't been back but mm. you know famai has been good um burrito express was like a staple because <laughs> yeah. it's right there by the high school i remember that i remember ditching class just to walk right over there. They used to have a student special, man. They did? Yeah, back in the day, you, you get a... Burrito Express, Burrito man. and a drink for like three and a quarter. Yeah, and then the, did, did they have the Little Caesars there when you were there going there? That Little Caesars? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that moved there. That yeah. didn't used to be there. That used to be over um, on the Calaveras and uh, Jacqueline intersection mm. over there. Yeah, yeah. Um, way back. But there, there's just uh. But you're definitely right. There, there's the the diverse amount of of cultures and of people doing stuff in Mopiras that that at first glance doesn't seem it's there. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, especially if you're growing up there and you, you 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 see it every day, or you see Milpitas every day, um, then you don't really think think about it. But like I was saying, like you know, like a lot of musicians who. I, I guess, you know, I mean, it's different for me like, because these are my peers. These are people I know, you know, in some cases, these are my students. So, like, I've always been clued in, mm-hmm. you know, I've I've always seen it. But when I tell people, I mean, they're just laughing. They're like, man, you always about Milpitas. I'm like, I don't know if I'm always about Milpitas, but it's like there's stuff that's been happening. There's players like, you know, you guys are playing with these players. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm playing with you. I'm from Milpitas. Like, I don't know what to tell you is like, this is I like, this is what we do. You know, that music school that I came out of, man, the South Bay School of Music Arts, like, so many of my, my closest friends are guys that I just played in bands with there and, and I have grown up with. And, you know, there, there's not too many of them who are um, still doing it. But, you know, one of the guys who came from there, he was um, on some funkadelic st- stuff, mm-hmm. you know. It's like, man, it's Milpitas to George Clinton, you know. It's like, think about that. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, well, that's what we do. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and and even for me as, as a kid, you know, um, wanting to be a jazz musician, because I, I saw jazz musicians when I was a kid, like Dizzy Gillespie on Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing, seeing this, I was like, I want to do that. And that's something, you know, I, we haven't even spoken to you. It's like, I... I, I never I never had to learn to like jazz, which which a lot of people I think kind of ease into. I just always liked it. You know, it's I, definitely an acquired taste to a lot of us. To a lot of people who are not familiar with it. Yeah, and, and and for me it was it's it was never like that, and I, yeah. I I couldn't explain why. It's not like my parents were playing jazz records in the house because they weren't. Yeah, yeah. You know, but. I remember going to the library and checking out um, Straight No Chaser, the Thelonious Monk movie, right. and also Jimi Hendrix plays Monterey, uh-huh. you know, and, and watching these videos 
when when I'm. Well, Germany is a pretty jazz country, isn't it? They're pretty big on music. I know they have a. Yeah, they they are. They um. Scenes over there. I I, I mean, for the longest time, the 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 only real good gigs that some blues players and jazz players could get wasn't overseas. And I, I I think that's still really true today. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It it's just it was never like a foreign music to me. It was just stuff something that I liked, something that I I wanted to do. And and when I I when I started teaching guitar, um, I also made the the decision to want to really refocus my um, playing and and my my energies in in playing and and practicing into being a, a better um, jazz musician, you know, and, and, and studying more. So I started studying with a guy um, based in Oakland named Calvin Keys. And Calvin, uh, he, he's played with everybody. He's a mm-hmm. great, great guitar player, man. He's just a legend. He gets a lot of uh, respect from a lot of, 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 of the OG cats, man. He's played with um, um, Jimmy Smith, Ahmad Jamal was the big one. Uh, that that uh, people kind of associate him with, and and Ray Charles as well. So he he played with these guys. He's he was from Omaha. Um, he was based out of L.A. for a while. He was one of the uh, key players on this record label called Black Jazz, which mm-hmm. was um, a really important uh, record label. And he's just based in Oakland. And I found out about him and sent him an email, and then probably spent the next three or four years in his living room every week you know lear- learning not not how to play play jazz guitar but learning just the history of the music you know through his stories and and him showing me his tunes or how to play um standards um better or the way he would do it and just kind of having him hand down what he knows to me and you know he he introduced me to so many um great musicians guys that that i looked up to um and you know one one of the the craziest things for me is just uh before i met him there there's a guitar player named russell malone who i I just thought was one of the greatest guys you know on on jazz guitar he'd um played with jimmy smith and uh, he did a, a bunch of albums with Diana Krall, and and just loved his sound and his approach to the to the guitar because it was uh, very modern um, at times, but also very traditional. And just got a big, warm sound. And I remember wanting to uh, be like that, you know, be like not be like him, but just kind of just get to that point where where I could play. Um, and 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 do something similar, you know. Mm-hmm. And as a as a younger player, real really trying to to get it together in jazz, you know, because that's really what what it's about. It's not about learning how to play the instrument. It's just learning to to get it all together, you know. Get getting getting the ideas together, getting the knowledge together, just just getting it together. Because you you know you don't get into it if you can't play. You know, it's kind of a given. Like you, you have to be able to play the instrument. You know, you have to have uh, some facility on the guitar. You have to to just understand how to get to get around a guitar. 
Um, and for me, man, Ru Russell Malone was at the, at the top of that list. And R Calvin and I were talking one day, and turns out that that he knows Russell Malone, and that kind of blew my mind. Mm -hmm. And then I just realized, like, well, that makes sense that he would know him because this is Calvin Keyes. Like, this is he's been all over the place. This is one of the OGs, yeah. you know. And so uh, the next time Russell was in town, you know, I got to meet him. Yeah. And we've been friends ever since. Wow. You know, he's got, uh, you know, a shout out to me and in, in, in the liner notes on one of his albums. And and it's just like, what? What is going on here? And I remember he called me one day because he needed a chart for a song. And he wanted to know if, you know, I could transcribe it. You know, which basically means charted out from listening to the uh, recording. It turns out I already had the chart, mm -hmm. and so they used that chart um, for that record. And there's a shout out to me uh, when you <laughs> open up that CD, and you know, to, like, like you know where I come from, man. We're from Milpitas, right? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> we that's that's M Town. Like, what? How does that work? But that's yeah. how it works. You know, it's just like you just do it. You mm. just do it, and and so. You know when um when I put out two sides to a promise I, I sent it to him and uh you know he he called me after he he had some some time to sit with it and just really listen listen to it and man he he liked what I was doing and that to me was just like you know the the the, the greatest compliment yeah because I, I spent a lot of time trying to to be like him as far as just like you know the sound the approach um and and then what what i realized and something that calvin and russell had hit, hit me to is just like and you're going to be the best one at, at being you you know nobody's going to be better at sounding like you than you and and that really kind of just was something that, that you know should be obvious and and maybe in, in other disciplines um and 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 other other forms of art, you know, I, I think sometimes that that's a very e easy thing to grasp, and and I think as a jazz musician, there there's so much tradition and, and history uh, in front of you all the time that sometimes that gets lost, you know, and and so uh, I I'd, I'd say uh, I'm a lot more comfortable with the guitar and with my music than than I've been. Um, and it's kind of a funny thing to say after having been playing for almost three decades, but you know, it, it's one of those things where, yeah, these guys are absolutely right. You know, I, I'm never going to sound like them. I'm never going to be better than them at doing what they do, mm -hmm. but nobody's ever going to be better than me at doing what I do. Yeah. And so, you know, the encouragement that I get is just you know keep doing, keep doing what you're doing. I like what you're doing, and that that to me is just you know, it it's it's just an amazing kind of thing to to hear from you know your your mentors and people people that like um, that you look up to, mm -hmm. uh, just to you know not not be at the same level as them but to just to 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 kind of get that that feeling of like you know I'm, I'm 
I'm doing it right. You know, it's like, wow, that's amazing. I remember when the, the record came out last year, um, Calvin had called me right away and I, I didn't know that the, the record had made um, one part of the Jazz Week charts. The, the Jazz Week chart is, is like the, the biggest uh, jazz chart, I'd, I'd say, not, not based on uh, sales like Billboard, but um, on actual plays. Radio right? plays? Yeah. Yeah. And so the Jazz Week chart, uh, the record made it onto the most added section, and he, Calvin had called me, left me a voicemail right away. It's like, hey, man, uh, I just saw your name on this Jazz Week chart. Uh-huh. And he just wanted to, to let me know that, you know, he was really proud of me, and, uh, you know, he's just really happy to see that, I, you know, I was doing things. You know, and as a, as a guy who's taught students for, for so many years, um, I, I, I could un- understand where he was coming from to see somebody who was just sitting with him in his, his living room for years, like learning how to, to do what he does to see that, like, you know, that it's paying off in a way, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, for me as well, seeing, uh, the success that some of my students have had, it's one of those things too, where it's just a great feeling, you know, like you spend some time showing somebody what you know how to do and they, they go out there and they do it, you know? So, yeah. And it's, it's just one of those things where I'll, I'll sit and trip out because you, you know, like I said, you know, you know where I'm coming from. Yeah. You know, it's Milpitas. <laughs> Tell me about the Marco Royo uh, trio. Kind of the inception of this band and how, how this band was different from previous stuff you, you were involved in. So um, I, I first started meeting a lot of the people in the on the, the jazz scene in, in San Jose after I, I met uh, the or- organ player Brian Ho. I saw Brian Ho. He was on a gig at a restaurant in Palo Alto called Pampas. And I had I had not really seen organ players uh, out here and you know especially an asian organ player right and mm-hmm. i looked him up and it turned out that that his day job was down the street from a studio where i was teaching i was teaching uh in campbell at sjg uh, school of music for a while and so we got together one day and we got to playing he put me on a gig and from that gig i started to meet some some players and more gigs meeting more players and you know, uh, we we had a, a a great crew running around in San Jose playing. It was this, me and Brian, Oscar Pangalinan on saxophone, Sutton Marley on drums, Fred Paclebon on bass, and so the seeds of the, the trio re- really came came around when um, Matt Beasley is one of uh, the the local uh, figures on the San Jose jazz scene. He's a uh, on the artist side, he's not a player, but he's an art artist rep. He's got a group. Uh, he's got a business called Lumina Music Group. He represents a bunch of players. He needed some help putting uh, uh, a band together for for a gig, and so I started making some calls, and I, I got a trio together. And so you know, it it went from a group that was kind of just thrown together to to fill um, a vacancy somewhere. To something that I, I could build on so it was one of those things where we just would get together and, and 
play tunes that we knew, play standards, you know, like it's a real book gig. And then I started to bring in some of my influences from growing up with, with rock music, with funk, with electronic music, with, with hip hop. And so I, I started um, rearranging uh, other tunes. You know, we would do Nirvana tunes, we would do REM um, tunes. Uh, there's an artist named James Blake who uh, was, was was really popular at the time doing uh, electronic music. Really liked doing um, one of his tunes called The Willem Scream. There, there's some live footage of the trio doing that. The uh, Willem Scream. Yeah, The Willem Scream. He's referring to the to the movie uh, Scream you usually hear during fight scenes or something. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I yeah. did not know that. I always wondered. It's like in, in most movies, like most, especially like in the eighties and seventies and nineties. Oh yeah. If someone's like doing a st- like you know getting run over by a car or just falling out, you hear the the Willem scream. All right, you, I, I got to look out for that. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, okay, uh, and and then tell me about the the album Two Sides to a Promise. It's six tracks. Two Sides to a Promise. Um, How was, was it developing? I'm sorry. It was years in yeah. the making. You know, it's essentially, yeah. uh, Giuliano, which was uh, one of the, the key tracks. It's a fifth on, track on, on there. On there. Um, yeah. I had gone into the studio with uh, Fred Paclebon on bass and Chris Leidecker on drums um, maybe 2012 or 2013. Um and you know we we thought we were going to get get this record done with Chris and Chris ended up moving to Nashville because uh, his wife had an opportunity out there and so kind of had to regroup uh, after that because uh, the the one of the original versions of the trio was uh, Fred on bass and Sutton Marley on drums and Sutton Marley's still out here playing but at the time he uh, went back to school and. And so he wasn't going to be in the area, and I needed to replace him. And so uh, I had gotten Chris uh, on drums, and so we were playing. We we were doing uh, a bunch of things uh, for this group called Universal Grammar, and we were doing um, weekly gigs at Pagoda, which is inside the inside the Fairmont downtown San Jose mm-hmm. and so Fred Chris and I got got really tight we, we were doing these weekly gigs there we were doing uh, weekly gigs at 55 South um, and we, we were playing a lot and we were able to, to get into the studio and record Juliana and I, I thought that was gonna be the first um, step into us doing an album and then he ended up moving so we kind of um, took a step back and then I, I brought in uh, the drummer I'm using now, Christian Buenconsejo, it's another Milpitas cat uh-huh. you know, and uh, he actually was a kid that I knew from the South Bay School of Music Arts, you know, he was a student there and the, this this kid who had just watched, you know, was paying attention to what he was doing and when I needed a drummer I reached out and said, hey um, I need a drummer like you want to you want to get good like I mean let's see if you're ready you know and so we we put him um in that position our he's he's in the drum chair and the the sound of the trio changed in in and as it always does you know when you got three people you you change one person out you've got a different sound and we got really comfortable with what we were doing and so uh 
we we had the opportunity to get in the studio and so a, a lot of of that album is kind of just uh us live it's it's kind of, it's got a very raw feel and and it's what i wanted with with this album was to kind of just document what we sound like and and i i i really like this album because it's one of those things where it it really is us you know you you mm-hmm. You put that on, and you kind of get the same experience that you would if you were to walk in on us at a gig somewhere. It's, it's I, I, I really feel that it, it, it was a, a great um, capture. You know, it, it was a great grab of what we sounded like at, at that time. You know, so some of these tunes were written um, day of. You know, right before we hit record in the studio, um, Juliana was an older tune. Don't Stop was one that we had actually captured our, ourselves and recorded ourselves um, from just a session. And, you know, it was one of those things where, hey, th- this works. This 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 could go on the album. And so, you know, we, we went to the studio, had I had all of these files and it. it took me a while to, to realize that I had something that I wanted to put out, you know, and so um, everything you wanted, don't stop, um, Juliana, Three Brown Brothers, you know, all of these tunes, uh, they they were just really great representations of of us, and and so you know, people like different different tracks. I don't think there's a consensus on one that that everybody likes, but the the album just got great response from from every, everywhere uh did really great in canada mm-hmm. you know made a lot of top 10s in in canada did great on um i was on the jazz week charts for weeks and then i was on the other big uh jazz jazz chart the nacc chart yeah yeah, they do a top thirty, and you know, it, I was on there for a couple of weeks. Yeah, and it it just was really well received, and I really just wanted to put something out, you know, because I had something to put out, and it I wouldn't say it was rushed, um, but I didn't go into it with a lot of expectations, you know, and and looking back, maybe I should have. Um, given it a bigger push and or an even bigger push mm-hmm. but it was one of those things where uh, I had the money to put it out I had uh, you know a really good feeling about the music I just wanted to get it out there yeah. so you know uh, I r- originally thought I was going to have it ready um, for January of last year but then I ended up pushing it to uh, Cinco de Mayo and that that's that's when it hit and it just took off from there you know mm-hmm. and i was just actually on uh cd baby this morning check, checking to see how much money we've made uh, off of it and just looking at these zero cent and one cent spotify streams it's like yeah <laughs> one day <laughs> one day one million days later you know <laughs> well there's a blossoming i i know that you, you come from more of a old school approach towards jazz and bringing in you know guitar mm-hmm. into it, and it w- but there's a certain genre that, I, that 
a friend of mine is, is, is in a band that plays a genre, but I'm not sure how you feel about being uh, described as math rock like. Yeah, have you heard of that? Pe- before? People people can can kind of hear that um, in some in some of the stuff that we do. Um, I I haven't heard too many groups that that do that kind of music, but uh, I mean I I can appreciate that that people kind of would hear that because there there is you know it, it the difference in in what we do and um well i mean i would not say everybody else but like i mean I, i'm not a young dude i've been playing guitar for a very long time and so there's a lot of different influences and there's a lot of things that 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 i'm just able to to do on the guitar because of like i said earlier time you know so trickier more complex like rhythmically different kind of things like are not foreign to us as a band and and to me as a player so uh getting into the these different kind of um genre conversations it makes perfect sense because you know uh earlier on somebody just described us as like jeff beck meets like the ventures mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah. I can feel that, for yeah. sure. It's like, there's that. I was like, oh, there's, there's a little Dig Dell happening right now. Yeah, 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 I feel yeah. It. you know, and I mean, that Dick Dale on that Pulp Fiction soundtrack, you know, yeah. I mean, that was that was huge. I used to work at AMC in Milfitas yeah. back when Pulp Fiction had come out. And, you know, yeah, there there's some of that. There. My my first guitar teacher, Chris Shaheen, he, uh, he runs a school, um, the SJG School of Music, and he he had a, a big surf jazz imp- improv kind of um approach to the guitar and, and he i think his first two albums were were like that or it's just kind of just like a like next level surf rock you mm. know and so yeah I, I i could see where 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 people could make that um that connection and and plus you know going back to when I was putting the group together when you when you asked me about that at, at first I was playing a big arch top guitar hollow body jazz guitar you know just traditional jazz style guitars like they they did in in the 50s 60s and so on um, these big you know West Montgomery style gu- mm-hmm. guitars and um, one day we were on a gig and I decided to bring my Fender Jazzmaster which is more associated with like indie rock and and surf music and you know it's got this you know whammy bars what what people really call it but it's got this bar on it this vibrato bar where you can kind of drop or raise the pitch kind of shake the note mm-hmm. and that that became just like a key part of of the sound of the group you know one of the things that that I learned growing up playing in, in cover bands was you know at times you have to cover so much sonic territory Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I played in a rock band with two guitar players, and I remember one guy. They had one, one rehearsal, the other guitar player didn't show up, and I had to learn all of those other parts or approximate those other parts like on the spot. And then that's when it hit me: it's like, wow, I have to be responsible for a whole bunch of sound, not just you know the part that I'm given. You know, and as a player, I'd say that was a very defining moment for me. You mm-hmm. know, it's like one of those things where, like, 
you have to listen and and that's one of the things that that I'm really just like I wouldn't say I'm a stickler about but I'm saying like that's one of the keys to the success of of, of the trio is we're just listening we're constantly listening you know we're listening to each other we're giving each other space we're giving each other cues yeah you know um we're kind of leading the way where you know it's the Marco Royo trio it's my name in the front mm-hmm. you know I'm I'm the leader because it's my my band but musically it's it's even it's it's very even you know Christian will will guide us with a fill or a feel you know Fred will take um, control uh, harmonically and kind of push us in a different way I'll push us in 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 a different way dynamically you know um, coming down getting quiet getting loud building up you know it's 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 very you know uh, democratic is, is just a very easy way to understand it that's a very you know safe musical buzzword to use but it's really just like that that's what it is you know we, we were we're equal um because we're all working for the same goal you know can right. we, can we sound as dope as possible right now and help each other together sound great, you know? yeah 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 and it, it's one of those things where you know fred and i have been playing together for almost a decade Christian is a kid that you know grew up in the same programs that that I did, and you know we we come from a lot of the same um, philosophies as as to like you know how we were taught how uh, how we were taught to play in bands um, and and in in ensembles together you know how to listen. Um, Joe Santoro is a drummer. He's a uh, he's co-owner of that school in Milpitas, a South Bay School of Music Arts. He's got a performance program called South Bay Kids. And that's where I grew up. You know, I grew up in these cover bands under that um, program, playing, you know, contemporary rock tunes, playing R&B tunes, um, playing funk tunes. And Christian grew up in that as well. And Joe just taught us, you know, how to play in a band, how to listen to each other, what to listen for. Um, how to be uh how how to not step on other people's toes in, yeah. in the group so that so that you can get you know get to the goal which is to to have the band sound good you know mm-hmm. and so the, the, these ideas these have really stuck with me over the years so it's it's one of those things where um when we start playing we just go we'll, we'll play and we won't make a decision on what we're doing. You know, we'll just, sometimes we'll call out a key. Sometimes we'll, somebody will just start. And that somebody could be, you know, Christian just getting used to the sound of his drums in the space that we're playing in and then locking into a groove and then Fred and I picking up on it and going from there. You know, it could be Fred locking into a bass line or even just a note, like, you know, um, just like a steady rhythmic feel or whatever and then we'll take it from there or I'll I'll start uh, something new something something I've been working on and they just jump in and follow mm-hmm. so it, it's a big difference from you know me in a suit with a big 
jazz guitar playing in the back of a restaurant um and now it's just like you know our band our rules our music which mm-hmm. which is you know it's it's very much that that rock band kind of indie rock mentality but now with the background of of having played jazz for so long you know and and having played in so many different situations and you know that's one of the things that that i i really um like to push is the fact that i came from so many different types of music and playing situations and listening situations and those things all kind of guide what we do and and the group and uh i really try to push for um having the best experience for the crowd and for us at, at every, every time we get together and, mm-hmm. and play i mean i always ask the guys when we're done and even in between sets like is that cool do you guys have fun are you guys enjoying it yeah i am you know most of the time we're getting paid to play music so it's like hell yeah can't complain no, i'm not complaining at all <laughs> but you know i always want to make sure that that the guys playing with me are are enjoying it because you know one of the things out here now um in the past 10 years in downtown san jose especially on, on in in jazz and you'll see it now in 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 the rock scene the indie scene the singer songwriter scene there's more players now than there were when when we first started there's more opportunities and so um it doesn't doesn't they don't have to be playing with me and um i i'm really lucky that when we have gigs we have opportunities when i call you know they're still down you know i'm not having to kind of plug in different pieces every time which is sometimes what you have to do like when you get straight ahead jazz gigs these standards gigs these casual gigs um you're just putting players together you know that the players can play yeah but you don't know what's going to happen and well what i really enjoy is knowing that when it's a marco royo trio gig like we know that we're just gonna get together and explore what we can do sonically together that's really one of the things that that sets us apart really it's just like we we um we're doing it and we're gonna take the crowd with us you know it could be two people in the audience it could be 200 people but you know we're going somewhere and hopefully people stick with us you know on on that journey Hmm. you're currently working on another album right space space is hopefully coming by april Okay. Um, Can you tell me about this album? How do you feel this is going to be different from the Two Sides to a Promise album? So Two Sides to a a Promise was um, an album that came out of nowhere. You know, we we got a call. Here, here's some studio time. Can you guys come in? Yeah, we can come in. I I didn't have anything um, until, you know, maybe a couple days before sometimes just the day before we we got into the studio so a lot of that that music was really raw in the sense that they you know the rest of the band hadn't heard it until we were ready to go so with with space the music has been um kind of brewing for a while and so i i've laid down um just some some demos of this stuff and i'm gonna write out charts and and a, a couple things, if, if you've seen um, the the teaser on Instagram, it's, it's it, 
doesn't say the Mark Arroyo trio on, on this one. It just says Mark Arroyo. Uh, I want to explore just a couple different playing scenarios. So some solo stuff with um, with some synthesizer elements going to my my uh, electronic music days. Uh -huh. uh, some things with the trio, maybe some duo things. So it, it's not necessarily just locking us into what the trio is all about. But the the running theme um, for it is space. Space like outer space. Um, space like needing space, having space, you know, just like I think one of the excuse me, mm -hmm. one of the big things about um, Two Sides to a Promise was like we just went for it and it was kind of just like all of us right there, you know it, not necessarily dense but there was just you know at times a lot going on you know, dynamically we could control it but we just didn't let up you know, and, and, and you can you, you can hear that, uh, especially in like Three Brown Brothers and, and Don't Stop, where we're just like, we're jamming and we're just going for it, you know. So with space, uh, you know, it, it's one of more uh, of these things where I want to just have have it be uh, a journey for, for this album, you know taking you to space giving you space it's one of those things where that's going to be like the running theme of, of it not not necessarily trying to do a astral spiritual jazz record where you know i'm i'm, I'm out there but you're just trying to um create more of of a mood you know and not really kind of um shove the fact that we can play down people's throats it's it's not it's not one of those things where you know we have to kind of prove ourselves um with this recording what i want to do is is kind of just do more of of that exploratory um kind of taking people on a journey kind kind of idea with it so um having space and creating space and kind of just setting a mood with, with the guitar and with effects and other elements. That's the kind of really uh, what I want to do with, with this next record. So, so you know, the, the chords, the melodies, the ideas, they exist. I need to chart them out and start uh, rehearsing with the group. Uh, Christian has heard some of this stuff already, and he's, he's you know, already... Um, working on putting um you know the percussive side of of the music together and um you know hoping for hoping for april no later than july mm. so that that's where we're at and um you know I'd, I'd like to to get it into the hands of more people the ears of more people you know i mean the record was getting played all the way to Australia, you know, and so yeah, your first record, yeah, yeah. So, so really, you know, did, did you have a distribution game plan, or is it so you just I passed them out? I uh, you could? worked with a company um, that that that's um, that that's pretty well known as far as uh, uh, promotions in, in the jazz world, and you know they're excited to get the next one and and do even more, you know. Uh, with the first record being in kind of an unknown um, 
artist, we had decided to take uh, kind of just like a, a softer approach, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of just um, see what happens. And, you know, the record did, you know, phenomenal. I had no expectations and to to get on charts and to get played, you know, um, all over the world. You know, it's like, okay, there there is... Um, there's somebody else listening. It's not just me. It's not just us. And so, uh, you know, the the next one, hopefully, uh, does even better. And and that's that's what um, next year is really going to be about. Just really getting space together, getting it done, and then getting it out. And um, I I don't know what what touring looks like in 2019, especially for uh, a group based in like improvisation but you know we'll we'll take it a step at a time i just need to get the get the music done now i, I think it's completely possible i mean uh but the same buddy might mention like he's in a math rock band but they definitely geared towards instrumental jazz rock stuff and he just got off the tour and he's like dude like the upper west coast are all about it all about it. so like so i'm just saying like i, I think touring should be awesome for you and uh, we reached an hour, so okay, we're, we're good to go. We're closing up shop. Mark, pleasure talking to you. Great stuff. Thanks for having me. A lot me, of man. wisdom that you just brought down on me. Great to see a guy from Opitas on this know, podcast. And uh, M Town, man, M Town. <laughs> if you want to catch a record, uh, the one that's out currently, Two Sides to Promise, where can they catch it? So Spotify has been been great um, for for people all around the world. So Two Sides to a Promise. The Marco Royo Trio. It's on Apple Music. It's on Amazon. It's on um, whatever Google uses. Uh, you can stream it. You know, YouTube um, has got clips. So it, it it's it's basically everywhere. You can get it online. Our website is www.themarcoarroyotrio.com. There's links to uh, purchase it if if you're trying to get a hard copy. CD Baby is uh, who's distributing. Um, the physicals so you know they've got cds um but yeah just check it out and reach out and uh tell us what you think you know we, we've got a, a band page on facebook facebook.com slash the marco royal trio um instagram the marco royal trio you know mm. so you know uh just check it out you know tell a friend that's like want to really just turn it up and tell a friend like, that's really all we want I dig it, man. Mark, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me, man. Make sure to check out the Mark Arroyo Trio, now available on iTunes, CD Baby, Amazon Music, and you can check out on their website at MarcoArroyoTrio.com. Go check out their music, buy it, share it, do what you will with it, but just make sure you go check it out. All right, that has been a great talk with the musician, the one and only Marco Royo. Looking forward to catching him live sometime. That'd be great. And uh, man, great guy. Such a great guy. Super nice. Such a gentleman. All right, that, that's it for this episode. Have a good one. I hope you enjoyed it. If this is your first time listening and you dig it, please subscribe. You can do so on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and most of the apps where you get your podcasts from. Don't forget to share with a friend. Share this thing around. And be like, hey, man, 
here's some cool alternative media you can check out. And um, yeah, my name is Jorge M. Sanchez. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great one. Sayonara. Till next time.